Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The following program is sponsored and funded by Faith to Victory Ministries. And if a church body seeks to keep Christ as the head of the church and and the church body seeks to do the will of God in every endeavor, which they should. It's going to be evident in the overall operation of the church. And it's also going to be evident in the life witness of its members, both collectively and individually. And it will prove to be evident to the surrounding community as well. Welcome to Faith to Victory Sunday Worship with minister and founder of Faith to Victory Ministries, Michael Collins. Now, here's Michael with today's message. The Church, God's Lighthouse. In the Bible, the word church always refers to a group of people, not a physical building. But the Word of God definitely makes it clear that the church was established by Jesus Christ for the glory of God, for the purpose of sharing the good news of salvation and bringing those that are lost to a saving knowledge of Him. Now that's the primary mission of every church. The church itself, everything it stands for and everything it does for the glory of God is a direct reflection of where the priorities lie within its walls, as well as within the hearts of its people. And if a church body seeks to keep Christ as the head of the church and and the church body seeks to do the will of God in every endeavor, which they should, it's going to be evident in the overall operation of the church. And it's also going to be evident in the life witness of its members, both collectively and individually. And it will prove to be evident to the surrounding community as well. All churches are to be mindful of how important that is because the church, no matter how big it is or how small it is, is God's lighthouse. Now, why do I compare the church to a lighthouse? Because the comparative need and and purpose uh, is one and the same. A lighthouse, by definition, uh, is a structure that's built for navigational purposes. It directs um, traveling ships to uh, avoid dangerous areas, and to follow certain routes that are going to see them safely and securely to their destination. Well, the church serves the same purpose for each of us as travelers through this life, because life is a lot like the open sea. At times, it can be very perilous, and indeed, today we are living in very perilous times. The world around us has a, uh, has a greater need than ever before 
for God's navigation. And the church stands as a place where those who are searching can find God's answers and his revelation of what life is truly meant to be, as well as who they were created to be and can become in and through Jesus Christ. Now, just as the church is to be a beacon of light that that is the love of God, the light of the church is its people. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. That's Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Here Jesus teaches us about how to become that light that reflects the love of our Father and how to continue to be the light of God for the world to see. Here's what Jesus said. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt have lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of man. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. The Lord Jesus here is, is emphasizing how critical it is for Christians to realize why we're here to begin with. In saying that we are the salt of the earth, Jesus means that we as, as believers are the element or the seasoning, if you will, that brings out the good flavor of God's righteousness. In other words, people who are in need of a taste of God's faithfulness and his compassion and his forgiveness and love and everything good that God is, they're supposed to be able to sample those things through what they see and hear in us, through our life. And if we should lose our flavor, if we should lose our, our element or seasoning, then we have nothing for them to get a taste of, and, and we're no longer any good for doing the work that God needs us to do. God can accomplish what he needs to accomplish through us and in us. Then Jesus puts it another way, saying that we are here to, to be a guiding light for those that uh, are lost in the darkness of the world's way. But when the light we're meant to shine through the love of God is, is hidden and, and, and kept out of sight, then the people who are lost and, and are searching in, in the darkness, they aren't going to be able to, to see the way that God wants them to go through us. We're not going to be there to, to be able to shine that light and, and lead them in the way that they need to go. God doesn't want us to hide the light we're supposed to be shining for everyone to see. In verse 14, Jesus says that, we are the light of the world, and he compares Christians to a city on a hill, radiating a light that, that cannot and should not be hidden. We are to let our light shine, both as a church and as individuals, as bright and as far and as wide as we possibly can, so that we might bring souls to salvation and glorify our Father in the process. The light that a church shines for the glory of God shines the brightest through the life witness of its body of members. Each member has a different story. Each one has traveled a different road to where God has led them to be. Each one can testify of where God has brought them from and what God has brought them through along the way. That's what makes the collective testimonies of God's mercy and His grace and His forgiveness 
the, the actual testimony of the church itself. We've all made that personal journey to our salvation. The lessons that we've learned and, and, and the spiritual growth that we've experienced along the way prove to be valuable contributing factors to the positive impact of the church in the community and in the lives of one another. There's a wonderful verse in Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 24 and 25 that says, Let us consider how to stimulate one another in love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. When we share a testimony, that is, when we tell our story about how we came into our relationship with Jesus Christ, how uh, we've learned to depend and rely upon Him and the promises of God to change our life for the better, and how we've grown to trust Him for every need we have and for everything we've been given. And that's when we're sharing the good news of the gospel from personal experience. And, and when it's personal, it becomes more real. And it becomes much more believable to someone who's perhaps skeptical or, or hesitant to accept it. Those who you are sharing your testimony with are going to be able to hear the passion and the commitment in your words. And they're going to be able to see the joy and excitement in your eyes and, and to witness the validity of your faith through your life as well as through the, the works of the church that you are a part of. And that's real witnessing. That's real testimony to the love and, and the greatness and the life-changing power of our God. Being a witness goes a lot farther than handing out a tract or telling someone that, that you'll pray for them or uh, telling someone that God loves you. you know, don't get me wrong. All these things are good things to do, and if you're doing them, don't stop doing them. But if we as a church want to be real soul winners and do the work that God has commissioned every church to do and that is to lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and then witness the power of God's love and compassion in someone's life those things won't be enough not in the world that we're living in today the world that we live in now needs to be shown just as much if not more than it needs to be told about what a relationship with the almighty God through his son Jesus Christ is really all about. They need to be shown how it really changes you and how it really changes everything about your life and what it means for your eternity. And we show them that by our actions and by the work that we're willing to do so that God would be glorified. Not that we would be glorified, but that God would be glorified. We never want to boast in ourselves, but we want to boast in God. And we show the world by our life witness the power, the life-changing power of our God. And just as every child of God belongs to him, the church, and everything about it belongs to him as well. From the pastor all the way down, the church body has to do uh, all it can to maintain itself as a healthy, functioning, unified body of believers. Unity doesn't just mean getting along with one another. It also plays a very essential part in important things like setting goals and focus and like-mindedness like and, and being in agreement with the main purpose of the church. Now, if you'll look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, that's Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. 
We find here uh, the biblical principle of unity. In this passage of Scripture, the Apostle Paul is expressing uh, to the church at Philippi the importance of living together in harmony and living together in unity. And, And he reveals to them here and to us today as well that when the church realizes and appropriates her identity in Christ, then unity is both achievable and maintainable. Paul offers three solid and effective ways that this can be done. Number one is unity through a focus in Christ, as we see in in Philippians 2, verse 1. And then number two is unity through a like-mindedness among the body, which we see in chapter 2, verse 2. And then we're going to talk about a unity uh, in, in humility in Christ, which we see at the last part of that verse in 3 and 4. In verse 1, it says, If there is therefore any encouragement in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any tendernesses and mercies, all those things combine to form that focus, to help us have that focus in Christ, because that's what Christ was. All these things that he's talking about here, having that uh, comfort of love, fellowship of the Spirit, tenderness and mercies, that's all Jesus. And then we talk about like-mindedness in verse 2. Then fulfill my joy that you may be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord and of one mind. Paul is telling them here that if the essential elements and traits of, of a Christ-filled life are evident and existent within a body of believers, then that church will be doing what's necessary to be unified in the love of Jesus Christ and also be of one mind and of one spirit. Now, we all know that there are going to be disagreements in the church. Everybody's not always going to see eye to eye on certain things pertaining uh, to the church and how it functions. Sometimes we have to agree to disagree and move on. The most important thing is that we do everything we can to seek God's direction as a church family. We work together not separately and not apart, and definitely never with our own agenda because those are the things that cause division in a church. But division can be avoided by working together to maintain that common focus, that common like-mindedness, and most importantly, a common humility within the church family. What defines you As a Christ-centered church is how you respond to these type of things that can and have destroyed many churches. And it also defines who you are and who you are not in Christ. I want us to look at the third principle here of unity, which is the unity through humility in Christ. And we find that in chapter 2 of Philippians, verses 3 and 4. Starting in verse 3, it says, Let nothing be done through strife. Or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Verse 4 goes on to say, Do not let each man look upon his own things, but each man also on the things of others. In other words, what Paul is telling us here is, is to consider each other in all things. Listen to one another and lift one another up by encouraging one another and praying for one another, take into consideration why a member of the body might feel the way they do about a particular issue or or a need or direction for the church and ask them to do the same for you. Because when we consider one another in all things regarding the church, 
we'll be able to see and evaluate things from a collective point of view rather than just our personal point of view. And if you ever run into a problem doing that, focus on how Christ considered us when he went to the cross. Did he have a personal agenda for the salvation of mankind? No, his agenda was fulfilling the purpose that he came here for and therefore fulfilling the will of God. We should never act in the church among each other or in in any kind of mission that we have for the church or direction that we have for the church. We should never act out of selfishness or ambition or conceitedness. In the church and in every other area of our life, we need to consider others and be concerned about their welfare and their interest and live your life and consider others with the humility of Christ. Now, the people that make up the church body, the church family, needs to know that they are a part of what makes a church a good church that stands together on the solid ground of God's Word. When we show ourselves to be committed to our fellowship, the the influence of our church is going to spread. The works that are done in and through our church are going to be noticed because God is getting people's attention because of what you're doing. When the fellowship is good, then the body of believers are going to be good together. And when we're good together, we do good works together that glorify God. We are to encourage one another, as it said in Hebrews 10.25, because as we assemble together, we're good for one another. God works in a very powerful way through churches where each person sees himself or herself as making a valuable contribution to the purpose of that church's ministry. That's why it's so important for us to get involved in the church. You know, it's certainly understandable when there are some who, you know, have responsibilities and obligations that prevent them from from really being involved uh, much beyond attending regular church services. But those who can get involved should get involved because the Bible says that we're called to be servants and ministers for the glory of God. And there's not a better way to serve and minister to being involved in the works of the church, both internally and externally in the community. Now, I want to share one last verse of Scripture with you this morning that pretty much sums up everything uh, that this message has presented today. I want you to look at Ephesians chapter 2. And we're looking at verses 16 through 22. That's Ephesians 2, 16 through 22. And here's what it says that he might reconcile both unto God and one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby. He came and preached peace to you who were far off and to those who were nigh, for through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now, therefore, ye are strangers and foreigners no more, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. You are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building, fitly framed together, groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. Now, what what does that say exactly? What is that telling us about the church? It begins with saying that you've come together as a church because of Christ's death on the cross. That's what brought you to him, and that's what brought you together as a church, together in him. You're one body that's been reconciled to God, no longer to be strangers to one another, 
but fellow citizens, as Paul says, in the household of God. Now, plainly stated, you belong here. This is your home because that's what God's church is. God wants you to to use you as an individual part of the collective body. Regardless of where you've been, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what brought you here, you all are a part of what God is building here and trying to accomplish through this church. Paul wants us to understand that Christ is the cornerstone. That is to say that he is what holds the church together. And furthermore, Paul enlightens us here to the fact that we are each uh, likened to the, the individual bricks or stones that form the church and make it fitly framed together. The church is a holy temple built by God and every member of the body built into it. In closing this morning, you know, the Word of God confirms that through these scriptures we've read and we've talked about today that the church is indeed God's lighthouse and the light that shines from the church is in and of its people. And you should so let the light of the Lord shine from your church home that everyone will see and know that your church is God's home. For more daily inspiration and encouragement from Faith to Victory Ministries, find us on Facebook, Google+, and YouTube.